Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by a former Burnley skipper. That was uh, Frank Sinclair. Had some very interesting stuff to say about that banner that flew over uh, City's ground last night. Also, uh, big news of the day was that um, Jonathan Woodgate had been replaced by Neil Warnock and author and borough fan Daniel Gray uh, reacted to that. Uh, we found out today from the Prime Minister that gyms won't be a- able to open just yet, but um, we spoke to a, a concerned gym owner about that who's already put a lot of conditions in place, but uh, it was not to be, and uh, we brought you a weird and wonderful story from the world of Russian football. All that, plus striker and some old clips from 2005, and here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And I've spent the morning quite perplexed because I like to start the show with a laugh. I like to reflect on last night's a game. I like to reflect on things in the paper that are amusing, and especially in this time, we've had a lot of fun over the past 12 weeks, but I just found last night so utterly depressing, the yeah. incident at Burnley, and I, I can't let it pass. I mean, I just find this whole White Lives Matter argument so spurious, so racist in itself. I mean, who ever said in the history of the world that white lives don't matter? It completely misses the point of what this is about, you know. What white person has ever failed to get a job because of the colour of their skin? What white person has ever been stopped by the police for the colour of their skin? I just find it so depressing and I'm glad to see Gilo got in touch with me. He lives in that area uh, with a lot of Burnley fans are horrified by what happened last night and I'm not surprised. Yes, of course they would be. I mean, I think the vast majority of Burnley fans wouldn't want to be associated with this, but I think we've all had situations with our clubs, quite a lot of us around racism, and you f- you don't feel like that, but you feel the taint of it. It's not pleasant. Um, no. Uh, but you were saying, Andy, you were listening to Breakfast, you were very impressed with uh, Jess Creighton, a, a journalist and broadcaster. Yeah, I think she put it much better in a much better way than I can ever put it. So I asked the guys to come up with, find a little bit from this morning. It was very powerful. It was quite long, but we won't play all of it. But here's, I think, the moment where she tries to explain or does explain what Black Lives Matter really means. I know a lot of people say, well, don't bring politics into, into sport. It, it's not politics. It's not a question of mm-hmm. uh, where do I stand on this debate. You're either, in my opinion, on the right side of the debate or the wrong side. Do you believe in anti-racism or not? That's the important question. And I think whilst Ali said it's a small minority, I'm not convinced it is. I think this country as a whole has a long way to go in terms of its anti-racism, in terms of people understanding the structural racism and the the privilege that they perhaps benefit from uh, on a daily basis. I don't think people are aware of it. And which is even more scary, I don't think people want to be made aware of it. They don't want to be educated. And a quote that's really resonated with me throughout all these social uprisings, throughout all these protests is, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Mm -hmm. And I really think that's what we're seeing played out here. People feel as though something is being taken away from them when that really shouldn't be the case. It's simply 
a case of just trying to level the playing field, so to speak. That, that, that's literally it. All the black community would like is to just be on par. We're not asking for more than just the same. Yeah, that's pretty pretty strong stuff, isn't it? And uh, and I think so much of this is, you know, it, there's a letter to the star today that it just says everything. It's like a sort of emotional incontinence that you can't deal with it. This guy writes in, he says, now we've made our point on the back of footballers' shirts about Black Lives Matter. Can we now revert to the players' names so we know who we're looking at? Do you, do you see what I mean in that yeah. letter? How wrong that is. And it is very it is very frustrating, but only it's about education and that sort of... Anyway, that's enough of my soapbox for today, I think. But well, we're I, do, chat, I just but, felt very strong about it. No, absolutely. And we're going to chat later on to uh, Frank Sinclair, a former uh, Burnley skipper, and get get his thoughts on what he saw uh, last night. I mean, we'll look, we'll, we'll come back to the... Subject of that banner, and I'm sure there'll be more fallout from uh, from that today. But uh, so we'll chat to Frank later on. On the, on the football front, um, it was very much one way traffic, wasn't it, Andy? It was at three nil. I decided I'd seen enough and decided yeah. to watch Perry Mason. Perry oh, okay. Mason, which is the strangest thing. Uh, my wife, <laughs> she said, we were watching the titles. She said, "Was Perry Mason in a wheelchair?" I said, "No, that was Ironside, played by the same actor." Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, but I don't know why they bothered to call it Perry Mason. It's absolutely nothing like the original whatsoever. He's not even a lawyer. So uh, I think I might have been better off watching <laughs> City Thrash Burn. He's just written. a bloke called Perry but, Mason. He just yeah, is, he, is he a yeah. detective? Does he solve crimes or is he what? Is he a bricklayer? What does he do? No, <laughs> he might. Well. No, he's, he's a private detective oh, who okay, works for a, for a lawyer. So he could have the lawyer could have been Perry May. Don't worry about it. Why it, do it a reboot when it's nothing like the original? He might just call it something. Call it sort of Fred Smith. I mean, it's not a great name for a series. I'm not sure you'd go out your way. But um, it's interesting. I would just Sean Dyche again. I mentioned last week a couple of quotes from him saying about how frustrated he is that he's had to see players go and he says he hopes the board and the chairman learn from the mistakes of not tying down players to contracts so he had a bigger squad going in these final games and you do start to wonder whether you know it, it, it could be time for him to move on I don't know that that may be putting two and two together and making five but he is clearly frustrated by what's happened and he did say that he's been here before um he knows it's a, it's a tough gig financially to balance the books at a club like Burnley, even though they're an established Premier League club. But I don't know if that's the first crack starting to show, really. It's amazing how Burnley, it's, it's teams and teams, isn't it? Burnley put up a good fight against certain teams and, and do well, but they always get thrashed by City. It's that the third 5-0, yeah. I think it's in a row, isn't it? So that but was as good. we said, uh, no, no Ashley Barnes and no Chris Wood. I mean, that was always no. going to be, you couldn't really see where the threat was going to come from. It was tough. It was a tough night to go there without your two best strikers, really. I like Dwight McNeil, though. I think he's a oh, real he's great prospect. Player, yeah. Yeah, I think he definitely could play for a top six team. And, and Foden, what a strike and what a prospect yeah. for 2022. I mean, honestly, Gareth's team for 2022, if everything goes ahead and we're all back to normal, a decent, decent chance. I Lovely think, to see right. a no-look pass as well. We all have an, I mean, top 50 no-look passes, you know, just <laughs> the eyes. It was good, wasn't it? <laughs> well, the one from Foden, the pass to Silver, wasn't it? Mm. I think he's, he's, really just... he's very very decent and mm. uh, and Dean Smith another decent player of course is Jack Grealish and uh, he is the most fouled player you staggered me with that uh, information about who he succeeded as the most fouled player I couldn't I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it maybe we'll try and uh, track him down to find out a little bit more about it but um, yeah he's been fouled the most times um, as Jack Grealish in the uh, Premier League and he's heading he could be getting up to 200 in his next few games but the player that held the record before that for the most fouls in a season you'd never get it in a million years um, it was back in 2002-2003 and it was Jason Roberts when he was at West Brom <laughs> why was he such a, I mean I would have thought it had been someone like Hazard someone yeah, in somebody that kind jinky. Of, yeah, yeah, somebody sure. in that sort of position. Who's one of those sorts of players like Grealish and Hazard that, that are great players, but kind of always on their way down that low centre of gravity. <laughs> They're never that far from the floor. Whereas you know, Jason was a big lad, big strong striker, and I, maybe he was just getting clattered by sort of agricultural centre halves at that time. I don't know, but anyway, we'll see if we can track him down at some point. Dean, Dean Smith, though, he says it bad. <laughs> Dean Smith says Grealish needs protection. I think the defenders tackling him need protection, really. Yeah, you can't go anywhere near him. Still, good player. I wonder where he'll end up if Villa do go down. It'd be interesting. Yeah, to see. the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talksport. Well, after that three 0 defeat to Swansea at the weekend, it looks like the Borough board and Chairman Steve Gibson had seen enough. Uh, they made a change 
uh, today. And Neil Warnock is in for uh, Jonathan Woodgate before we speak to Daniel Gray, also a lifelong Borough fan. Let's hear from Neil, who joined Jim White and the gang earlier on. They're all big games in this league because usually they're either they're either going for for the playoffs, promotion, or, or his relegation job. So, you know, I mean, you don't you don't normally get offered jobs anyhow unless a, a club is struggling um, position wise. So it's you know it's just one of those things. And with eight games to go, Jonathan will have learnt an awful lot. You know, I met him a few months ago, and uh, he's a sensible lad. And I think he, you know he'll come back and he'll have learnt a lot from his from his uh, you know that that's how you get your experience really. So there we are, Neil Warnock on TalkSport earlier on. we got that Stoke game for you that's coming up. Stoke and Hull away. So they're both real six-pointers down the bottom uh, for uh, Neil in his first couple of games. Daniel Gray, author and Borough fan, tweeted at the weekend, the signs were there really when our local radio summariser said that we needed to find a second wind after 12 minutes. <laughs> so, so he obviously wasn't massively impressed. Uh, good afternoon, Daniel. Hello, thanks for having me on again. It's nice to speak to you. Yeah, good to talk. It sounds like um, it sounds like you you think this is a good call by Steve Gibson. It is. I'm always sad when, well, usually sad when a manager goes. And at the start, you know, a year ago, it felt quite exciting the idea of a, a Borough fan as manager bringing through young players and a, a whole new way of of playing football. But it just hasn't worked. There's been too many runs where we just haven't won. Earlier in the season, there was a run of, I think, 10 games. And then just before the coronavirus break, we finally won at Charlton. And that was the first win since New Year's Day. And Saturday was just, you know, you spend three months desperate for football to come back, feeling really sad and missing it. And then after 15 minutes, you think, God, I wish they'd cancelled the season. <laughs> <laughs> some uh, some chairmen are, are trigger happy, of course, but uh, Steve Gibson isn't one of those. And uh, you, you'd imagine they agonised over this because Woodgate is a sort of son of Borough, isn't he, really? So, But I suppose he yeah. had no choice. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And it, with him being at the match on Saturday, you, you know, it must have been a strange old thing. It's going to be strange in, anyway, being in the empty ground. In the ground, you remember all those great European nights and things and just mm. seeing what, what we'd been reduced to being torn apart like that. And I think, yes, I think it became inevitable. He has been a lot more ruthless in, in recent years, actually, when you think of the departure of Gary Monk, which was a surprise after a win at Sheffield Wednesday. And he has, you know, we've got we've got through a lot of managers in, in recent years, actually. So um, it's not a complete surprise. It's just the, the circumstances, isn't it? Because football's quite bizarre at the moment, really, anyway. Had the virus not hit, Daniel, I do wonder whether he, he would have made this change or not. I mean, it must be this fear of relegation. They're right down there, but as we said, the next two games could, could, could potentially keep them up if they can get six points from them because their team's in, in the mix. So, I mean, this is not a time to be going down, is it? No, it's really not. And I guess probably what rings true for Steve Gibson is that when he first pretty much saved Middlesbrough in 1986, we were in the third tier. And I bet that plagues on his mind that he never wants this football club to go back to the third tier again. I think he must have a real aversion to that very idea. You can take going down from the Premier League. We've, you know, all my supporting life, we've been something of a, a second tier team, except those those few glory years under Robson and then McLaren. But the, the idea of the third tier it must be terrifying financially as well, I think. And if you're going to try and stay up, then Neil Warnock with six games is, is, the, is the man you'd go for, I think. It is. I wonder how difficult it was for Steve to persuade Neil to come up there because it's a long way from where he lives and everything. I know yes. he likes a challenge, Neil, but not, this is a challenge. It's Plymouth, isn't it? It's Plymouth to Borough. Not an easy, <laughs> yeah, com- not an easy commute, is it, really? I, I imagine the lovely the lovely hotel that the club own at Herworth probably uh, probably makes it a bit easier for people to come and live in. It's a you know beautiful hotel at Herworth, so right. that probably makes it slightly easier to persuade your wife to come up for a bit with you as well. I think. Um, although well, of course, I don't, don't even know if that's open at the moment, so I'm, yeah. I'm sure that that, uh, <laughs> that that could be a factor. But yeah, um, a, a long drive. He seems to be well settled down in Cornwall, doesn't he? So you're pleased. I mean, there isn't anybody else. There wasn't a moment where you thought, oh, you know, I wish we'd gone for X. You think this is just, just yeah, short term. I mean, who knows? You know, he could well stay, couldn't he? He's a promotion specialist, isn't he? Yeah. There wasn't time to really to really have that enjoyable speculation that one enjoys as a supporter because the announcement seemed to be back to back this morning. And um, so we didn't get to indulge in any of that. But the fact is, it's a relegation dogfight. It's six games. You don't want an untried, exciting manager from abroad. That could be something down the line. You need someone like this to come in if we've got any chance of making it. Because as it stood, the only chance we had of staying up was the sad demise of Hull City, really. It was other people's deficiencies that could have kept us up. 
And finally, listening to uh, Neil on with Jim this morning, uh, they were talking about a possible role for Jonathan Woodgate. It will be interesting to see what happens there because, you know, he was a good player and he, he had these prospects as a manager. It would be, be interesting to see if the club uh, sort of retain him in some way. Yeah, I was interested to read that. We have been here before, actually. Steve Agnew didn't leave and hung around on gardening leave and various phrases were used. So it's it's not unknown. And, and yeah, you, you hope that we can... Uh, keep keep him on board in in some way because certainly he loves the club just just like a fan and that always appeals to to the supporters. Have you spent lockdown working on a new book, Daniel? You you got something in the pipeline? Yeah, uh, out out in October I've, I've done fifty more delights of football. Luckily, I wrote it while football still existed as we knew it, so I was still delighted <laughs> by the game. <laughs> so Good. so hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll remind people at the right time that it can be a lovely game. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs uh, here on Talk Sport. And still to come this afternoon, we continue the build-up to our live games. We'll head to Russia to find out why poor old Rostov were beaten 10-1. As always, when a team gets um, spanked, there's generally a story behind it. And we'll be speaking to Northampton's match winner and finding out just how much uh, Keith Curl's um, uh, inspirational videos, including uh, Arsenal winning against Liverpool Anfield in 89, played a part in some incredible comeback against Cheltenham, taking them to Wembley. But um, before all of that, uh, joining us now, a former uh, Burnley captain who tweeted last night, Frank Sinclair, of course, who tweeted uh, last night as an ex-Burnley official captain. I feel I need to show my disappointment when I saw a sign above the stadium at a club many black players have represented. Please understand the message Black Lives Matter is for the good of humanity, not just black lives. Good afternoon, Frank. Mm. Good afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Andy. How are we? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, good thank Frank, you, Frank. You've, you've had a lot of people reacting to that, I noticed, and I was just kind of flowing through some of the reactions. I don't know if you've done that or not, but I just wondered, yeah. sort of generally, were you pleased with your reaction you got to that or disappointed? Um, well, I always knew that putting that tweet out there, there was going to be a negative reaction as well as support. Um, I hope people understood my my message of being a, a former captain of the football club and seeing that tag to Burnley Football Club, that message above above the uh, above obviously the Etihad. Um, for me, it, it was a message of you know undermining the campaign of Black Lives Matter, um, the timing of it, you know football being um, on the TV and 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 watched all over the world, the Premier League. And, and that was disappointing for me. And um, it just made me realise that a lot of people still do not understand the, the, the campaign of Black Lives Matter. Why? No, that is true. It's, it's so much a matter of education, isn't it? People don't understand. Adrian Durham has just put out a tweet, you know, basically how upset he is about the whole thing. But the reaction from people, it's amazing, Frank. People just don't understand this slogan. If you'd like to explain it to people, we could all probably benefit. I mean, it is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, um, going off the back of what happened uh, in America with George Floyd, I think that triggered... Um, something that's been under the surface for a long time, and that you know the, the the opportunities, the way that black people have been treated in the park. I see myself as um, not just myself, but people of colour. I see them that you know, for me, we're at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to opportunities. Now, if we can fix the bottom of the food chain, that will transfer to everybody. Um, you, that that is that becomes relevant to a situation. If you take a white man that's homeless, that is um, down on his luck, used to be a CEO, CEO of his own company, and you know lost his family, lost his children through uh, a situation, that counts for him as well because the discrimination that he has is on his appearance, is, is on his appearance, mm. and not on his ability to do a job. Now, if we can fix the bottom of the food food chain, that can transfer to everybody um, throughout society. And it is about the education of the youth. It is about, you know, the, the future of, of this country and, and the world. It's about educating the youth that give everybody the same opportunity in life. And that's all we ask for. Um, obviously, the club have distanced themselves. And this we, we saw Ben Mee speaking very eloquently after the game mm. last night. And I'm sure practically all of the, the fan base at Burnley don't want anything to do with this. But what was your experience? I know it was back in sort of 
mid-2000s, Frank. But what was your experience of playing for Burnley and captaining Burnley? Did you ever get any pushback at that time? No, well, initially, obviously, when I when I first got the offer of Steve Cockrell to, to come to the football club, I was living in, in Surrey on the outskirts of London. I didn't know that much about up north apart from playing against teams up there. Um, and I was told about, you know, the presence of, of BMP, for example, in the Burnley area. And that, you know, certain people told me you can't sign for Burnley because they've got... They, they support BMP and etc. And I was like, well, if that's the case, then I have to go there because I have to show that I can show a presence that can change minds. And, and you know, luckily for myself, you know, I, I think my, my, my two and a half to three years that I was at the football club, it was respected by the supporters. I never had a problem with any racism directed from the football club or, or on the outskirts of, of, of that football club in, in Burnley as well. So that's why, you know, my, my tweet wasn't towards Burnley Football Club. I, I have a great relationship with Sean Dyche. I go into the football club. He makes me feel so welcome when I go in and watch the stuff he does at the football club. I've been doing that for over two years. And, um, you know, he's someone that I admire in the game that tries to help me as much as possible. So I haven't got a problem with the football club, but I just had a problem with the timing of the message and the undermining of the campaign. Uh, it's good of you to say that about Sean Dyche as well. The uh, On a lighter note, though, Frank, I mean, I know you're, uh, like me, you're a Chelsea fan. you played for the club for many years. What have you made of the restart so far and uh, the prospects of finishing in the top four? For Chelsea? Um, yes. I think, results, I think the results went quite well for, for Chelsea at the weekend, obviously. Um, I thought it was frustration watching the game and, and seeing Chelsea being so dominant, but but not, um, you know, winning the game convincingly. But they showed a great reaction to get back into the game and, and obviously go on and win it. I think there's, a, you know, obviously a tough game against Man City coming up. Um, but I, I'm fairly confident that Frank's going to get um, Chelsea in the top four. I'm, I'm fairly confident of that. Um, you've been coaching, Frank. I know you've been coaching, did some stuff at Stoke and you were managing at non-league level. Yeah, you, we, we've 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 talked a lot about the maybe the glass ceiling for for uh, black players going into coaching. Did you sense that when you were trying to work your way in into management? No, I didn't sense it as in directly to me because I've always been open-minded and been quite a positive person. I've been for many interviews for many jobs and got you know sometimes down to the final two and not quite got a job exactly. Now for me. You know, for me, it would have been showing weakness if I walked away from that meeting with, with it not going in my way and thinking to myself, well, the only reason I didn't get that job was because I was black. I think that's, a, that's showing uh, weakness. But definitely there is, you know, a disproportion in the amount of ex-players compared to the amount of coaches and managers throughout all levels. You know, I've, I've had to go in uh, after my career, which I thought was, you know, a fairly... Um, successful career, career at the higher level, I've had to go in right at the bottom of the food chain and in, you know, coaching to, to try and earn my stripes to make my way up, which I'm not, I'm not, I've not got a problem with doing it. I've not got a problem with getting my hands dirty and working at, at, at lower levels to make, you know, to get to where I've got to. But I just think there should be more opportunities for, for BAME, um, you know, representation at higher levels in coaching and management. And is that still an ambition? Are you still you still looking to coach and, and manage if you can? Yeah, 100%. You know, I just came out of a job um, as an assistant manager working alongside John Macken, ex-Man City and Preston, where we, we off the back of a, a promotion last season, where we left a, a football club in lower leagues. Since then, I, I've been going in and, and helping out at Port Bell Football Club, working with John Askey and, and Dave Kevin, who was one of my assistant managers at Burnley and just helping in and around the place and hoping something might come off the back of it. But, you know, I've been in and around football since I've finished playing on, in a coaching aspect for a long time now and obviously just trying to bet myself all the time and, and gaining experiences like going into the likes of um, being able to shadow Sean Dyche on a, on, on, a, on a regular basis just to improve myself as a coach. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll bring your striker. Um, this is uh, Steve Bruce's uh, spectacular murder mystery, of course. I'm sure you've been enjoying it all. 
and uh, I'll tell you where we're at if I can just uh, access the uh, the data. Here we go. So this is where we're at with Stryker. Will you rejoin Steve Bruce's murder mystery written back in the 90s, brought to life by the great Ian Dante here as Steve, as uh, Lettersford Town Manager Steve Barnes is talking to one of the uh, town wags. This is Lettersford Town. Um, Michelle, who's pregnant and claims that the father of the child is uh, Pat Duffy's murderer. Michelle is pregnant and claims she's 100... Yeah, I've got this twice. They're mid-conversation when Steve's <laughs> assistant, Eddie Carberry, storms in and interrupts. Oh, yeah, I remember. Take good care of our baby, love, he said, and he laughed in a vulgar way, thinking this remark very funny indeed. I was completely gobsmacked. Eddie Carberry, the father of Michelle's child? So I'd been right in the first place. Eddie had killed Pat Duffy. I recalled what Julie had said earlier. She says the father of her child is the guy who killed Pat Duffy. Julie's exact words just before she showed Michelle into my office. Eddie laughed again, then looked at me with contempt before he left the room. I ought to have gone after him, but the surprise kept me rooted to my chair. Eddie Carberry and... and... and you? Pardon? He just said he was the father of your child. Michelle laughed scornfully. Grow up, Steve, she said. That was Eddie's idea of a joke. Some joke, I replied. It's the best he can manage. So how do you know Eddie? She hesitated briefly before she answered. At parties, out with members of the team. Clubbing, I said, snorting the white stuff. Mainlining too, Michelle said. One of them at least. God, I said angrily. No wonder there was a string of poor results. Right, Michelle, time's up, or nearly so. You were just about to tell me the name. The door burst open again. Had everyone taken leave of basic good manners? It was Martin Thornton, skipper of the team. The young player in whom I'd placed my faith. Blimey, what a slap in the face for Steve. What a slap <laughs> in the face, Martin Thornton. Could it possibly be? We're, we're kind of reaching... The end-ish of the book, and we say there's oh, some yeah, exciting okay. news. Some, hopefully, some exciting news to come before uh, the end. I don't know if you saw this. The face app gender swap. This is the thing where they they did how Premier League bosses would look as women, and most of the Premier League bosses look quite like very attractive women. You know, quite. But mm. somehow, I don't know what happened to Steve Bruce. He just looked there, Steve. He just basically came out of Steve Bruce with long hair. Look, I'm showing you Paul on the screen. Look. Yes, I know. I, yeah, I did. Uh, I did see the full set of these. Someone sent me all of uh, all of the managers. Um, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, there was a touch of the, the uh, Deirdre Barlow's about Jurgen. Actually, With the uh, it's it's yeah, it's, it was it was it was quite interesting uh, seeing them. But uh, it's, it's quite funny. David Bedell did one. He looks like Stacey Solomon. He looks exactly like her. It's really weird. But I, I don't know. I can't imagine what I'd look like as a woman. Well, let's, let's, not, let's not dwell on that. Eh? Let's let's not <laughs> no. give it too much thought. That's a very good, very good point, really. And uh, do you see that uh, Cardi B? Uh, she was posing. Uh, where's the caption here? I like this. In one. a Cardi at last, or was it a bit warm for that? <laughs> it was a bit warm for that. She was actually. Uh, I think she was actually in a uh, bathing suit. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, change your name then. Call yourself Bathing Suit B or Semi Naked B, as opposed oh, yeah. to. Not once have I seen her in a Cardi. It just it. It's a, you know, it just throws you, throws you off, Andy. I don't see the point. <laughs> she posed, she posed in his lap in a snakeskin print. Whose dress. lap? Uh, her husband offset. Oh, okay. It was her a Father's husband? Day treat. Her husband's her offset. Husband. Well, it's a rapper, Offset. Her oh, rapper, okay, offset right. husband. It's obviously not his real name, is it? Offset. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Alan Offset, is it? Really? I wouldn't <laughs> not, not, not really. No, not at all. And uh, talking of names, that's right, Trump. You know, Trump does these things where he supports uh, some senator you've never heard of and says, what a great bloke he is. You've got to vote for him. So I like to sort of put sporting things on. So yesterday's one was a guy called Alan Inoff. So I said, was he a billiards player? <laughs> <laughs> I just like to troll him if I can. It's always, yes. it's always amusing. And uh, the, the, Trump, the Daily Star had a story, their front page story was about uh, Donald Trump signing a copy of Elton John's Rocketman CD for Kim Jong-un in a bizarre bid He's peace talks with the unstable North Korean director. And to illustrate it, they've basically done a picture of Elton John with Kim Jong-un's hair. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? I've no idea whatsoever. 
does seem a bit of a stretch. Also, the idea of somebody signing somebody else's work is a bit strange, isn't it? I've got this Elton John CD. I'll sign it for you. So Donald Trump signed it, and Elton John c- That's a very odd... It's a very odd line, it? It is very odd. And uh, I know it's the tennis time of the year, and the British uh, Open, I think, starts quite soon. No Wimbledon, of course, which is not good for anybody else apart from me, who who loves it. But uh, it says, uh, you'll be dazzled. It's a reader's offer. You'll be dazzled by this bracelet, the Birthstone Tennis Bracelet. Oh, yeah. I, I just can't see. It's a stunning birthstone, brace, birthstone bracelet. That's so easy to say. Set with your birthstone crystals. And you think, what's that got to do with tennis other than it's this time of year? Anyway, I'm not buying it. It's okay. Not, There's something else you won't me. be buying. Not not for me. Thanks very much. Did you see uh, Major League Baseball uh, has been rocked by up to 40 players and staff yeah. testing positive for COVID-19? I did, so yeah. uh, that's not good for the planned resumption of the, the baseball season. So we'll speak to Todd about that on Friday. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Um, it's some people, though, the lockdown has been good for them. Um, F1 game producers, Codemaster, say the lockdown has really boosted their profits. People sort of buying the game online and playing it. Yeah. So I'm seeing them. Perspex screens, Perspex screen manufacturers. It's good business Boom to be mics. Yeah. Boom mics, I mentioned them. They were good. Face masks, of course, and disinfectant. Anybody in that sort of line of work, you've yeah. probably done all right. Or Jeff Everybody Bezos. Else, not obviously. so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. Been pretty, yeah. Pretty, I forgot pretty about him. For, pretty good for him. <laughs> That's yeah. very true, actually. And this Vardy, uh, Rebecca Vardy, wait, uh, Colleen Rooney thing, will be, I know it's pure, the way we're going to look at it, but it is fascinating. These two sort of quite powerful and wealthy women going at each other and it is interesting because you, you do think the sun could settle this dispute they must know who gave them i know they never like to reveal their sources so maybe yeah. that's the problem but they must know who gave them the stories you know and then i presume that will come out eventually but uh, we'll see I, I think it's going to be fascinating okay you're looking forward to it are you andy it's, it's, it's sort of well, in a certain, sense, <laughs> in a certain sense and uh, I, I didn't get a chance to mention yesterday the royal father's day photos by kate middleton they're very nice actually quite sweet but we know arthur edwards will think they're fantastic i think they're better than david bailey and man ray combined that's how good he thinks he'll be <laughs> there we are nice mention <laughs> no, of no. man ray the only, oh, man, like that. only man ray is normally man ray parlor on this station but, uh, that's bit very of, true bit of culture the hawksby and jay Jacob's daily podcast from TalkSport. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. And uh, we'll bring you some uh, old clips from those uh, long-forgotten, long-lost mini-discs that uh, resurfaced uh, back in 2005. We've not heard them since, but we'll bring you those in the final hour of the show. But uh, we spoke to the guys at Swim England yesterday, uh, desperately trying to get swimming pools back open and doing what they can to make them uh, a bit more virus-friendly. but that's uh, unfortunately not going to happen. We heard today from the Prime Minister a little bit earlier on close proximity venues such as nightclubs, soft play areas, swimming pools and spas will remain closed for now. So no July the 4th 
Liberation Day for them. Also gyms, and uh, saw some pictures today from a gym in Basildon, an Essex feel-good fitness and uh, wellness centre, who've been doing a lot of work in the hope that they could reopen. But uh, come as crushing news today. Their owner is uh, Aaron Tyler, who joins us now. Good afternoon, Aaron. Good afternoon. Thank you for your time. No problem. And did you did you did you feel that this was likely to be the announcement today, or were you hoping that you might get some slightly better news? Unfortunately, I was hoping that we was going to get the 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 good news. Um, but hey, it just gives us a little bit longer to prepare, really, um, to open. Um, unfortunately, I'm more gutted for my members. Um, and equally, I'm, it's not just my club; it's all the other clubs out there. Mm. Um, being in the industry, and sort of been being in talks with lots of other club owners, sort of knowing lots of uh, members of staff, sort of uh, desperately, sort of running out of sort of money. Um, yeah. Clubs are having to close, and it's just really unfortunate, really. So, one of the things that I was hoping is to sort of have, and now we've put lots of measures in place. I sort of, we've sort of had the COVID screens made up. So I don't know if you've seen some of the COVID screens in. Yes, I saw saw your pictures. Yeah, you've got, you've basically separated the treadmills with screens, haven't you? So people are almost in, they're all like little pods, aren't they, as as they work out? I mean, one of the things is, I mean, nine times out of 10, when you go to a gym, it's that social element as well. So, if you've been working all day and your partner's been working all day and you both want to go to the gym later on, at least you you don't have to be separate from each other. You can still see each other or even friends, but you've still got that sort of closeness, but you've got that protection between using the screens. Um, but it's but hey, you know we've gone sort of we've gone this long now. Um, it's really really exciting times. Uh, it's it's great for certainly for me to be able to help members hit that reset button when we are allowed to open um, new beginnings, new positives as well. Yeah, I mean, you've you've taken every step, haven't you? And Paul mentioned the pods there, but you've got a one-way system, a strict no-stop-and-chat rule. You know, I presume, what about changing? I suppose people should arrive ready changed. Is that, is that the sort of idea when you get back? Yeah, absolutely, because we're, it's a big guessing game for the fitness industry at the moment for clubs, really, because no because the guidelines have not been set clubs we're now sort of everyone's sort of guesstimating what's going to need to happen so i'm i'm really working on the worst case scenario so as soon as um as soon as we get the green light to go i know it doesn't matter what time or day or night that green light is happening i am going to come down to the club and celebrate <laughs> with a big big <laughs> bottle of uh, champagne and ask ask people to come down and celebrate really and obviously keeping social distancing etc um but i but I, i'm just trying to trying to work to the worst case scenario in a sense where even we're in the studio when we do group fitness classes um i'm keeping to a two meter rule even though the sort of talks where that's going to be reduced to one because it's it's about consumer confidence as well mm. being able to the consumer confidence to be able to come back into a club um, is second to none, um, because it's a lifeline for some people as well. Yeah, I mean, the, oh, so showers, I mean, I take it people can't use showers, and that affects your business in some ways, because a lot of people would go in the mornings and they go straight off to work, but if they've got to go home, it, you know, there's, there's certain things, routines people have around gyms, that that mm, would that will make it difficult for you, won't it? It, it will do, but I think because it's a new, it's a new time. It's new times we're living in now. Um, there's a lot of people that not, you've sort of seen the tubes and that the tubes are empty, the trains are empty. Hmm. Um, whereas a lot of people are working from home, so it's just actually changing that routine. And once you can put that little bit of change into routine, it's it, it, then there people then will shower at home, etc. They just need to put a dustbin bag on their car seat if they get a bit sweaty. Yeah, I suppose that's the yeah. So things like, I mean, obviously, a lot of sweating going on, people sweating and breathing very heavy. So that's one of the issues you have. Obviously, wiping wiping machines down uh, anyway is something that most people have got used. But this is different. This is not just doing it from a kind of decency point of view before somebody uses it. There's a virus out there. So I imagine you're going to have cleaning teams when you are allowed to open. Uh, on uh, kind of walking around the premises all the time, aren't you? 
one of one of the biggest things, one of the good things about our club is because because our clientele that come here, we're only a small club, but you know we we normally run well. We was running up to around the 400 sort of members mark at the time. Um, everyone sort of we're on a, we did a very strict clean down policy anyway, um, and then fortunately um, because our members want the club to be open, they they very very strict on cleaning their own stuff down. But ultimately before that we was putting lots of cleaning measures in place. Um, mm. Certainly after use and even down to the COVID screens that have been installed, um, they'll be done hourly. So with sort of like a steam machine that actually kills any bacteria on those. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, money's tight, everybody understands that, but I, I, it must be slightly disappointing that a lot of members, uh, according to the piece this morning in the Sun, that cancelled during lockdown. Is that true? Because it's a shame, really, because you'd imagine people might want to support and hope that the gym will still be there when everything gets back to sort of normal. It, it, is, a, it is a big shame, um, but ultimately mm. there's, there's always sort of two sides to the story, and I'm very, you know, unfortunately... Uh, the club was very clubs were very new. I wasn't taking any wage. I haven't taken a wage for the last year, um, and my last lot of savings have gone on the COVID screens and that. So I'm praying and sort of well, I'm just praying really that people return and people's sort of confidence in in my gym, in my in my in my centre is high. And ultimately, it's, it is great to see. I've, I I'm in a network of club owners that are all sort of really pulling out all the stops for that. Um, consumer confidence yeah um, and i've seen some other clubs up and down the country um i mean for example on the uk gym forum that i've seen some an amazing pictures that other clubs are putting in and those are the pictures and those are the things that i i would hope our local or our government would see mm. the the, tra- the changes that we're putting in for the industry i mean it's it, the the amount of sort of it the amount of good it does in sports, in sort of releasing endorphins when you're working out, you know. It's, of course. I do get some lovely emails of people sort of just, just praying that we're back soon. Sure, of course. Well, uh, there may be some good news in the last half hour. Oliver Dowden, the Secretary for Culture, Media and Sport, has said that uh, many people keen to hit the gym, he said on Twitter, and keeping Britain fit is key in the COVID battle. We've made lots of progress and I know steps businesses have taken to make their spaces and equipment safe. Subject to public health, our aspiration is to reopen gyms and leisure facilities in mid-July. So let's hope that'll be great. Yeah, Yeah. the 4th of July opening, it goes well. We don't see a second spike or a massive increase in the R. So and then you can. You can open mid-July, so that is some good news today, at least. Absolutely. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. The TalkSport Clips of the Week. Well, they were in March 2005, certainly, because (laughs) um, uh, some old clips have re-emerged, and uh, we've not heard them since, but we thought we'd bring them to you in these... Odd times. There'll be a fresh batch on Friday, of course, from uh, the week's output. But for now, we'll take you back in time. That's the harp music. Yeah. And we begin with Mike Parry discussing <laughs> his heritage. I am. I'm not afraid I am. I am. It's just a statement of fact. 100% Anglo-Saxon, Angleterre. Well, there's obviously a bit of French, a bit of French thrown in. <laughs> Only Parry could say that. And yeah. this is Patrick Kinghorn. But surely, if he keeps on showing the form that he's been showing in recent months, a goal again last night, the fans clamour. Does he mean fans clamour? The old skier, I think he probably does, doesn't he? He's dated that clip. It certainly is, yeah. It's it's oh, blimey, you're doing them all, are you? Calm down. Oh, is it me? Um, Sorry. No, it's me. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Synchronicity. Yeah. Here's Graham Beecroft with a competition on Talk Sport, or is it North Norfolk Digital? Now, how would you like to win a monkey this morning? Of course, uh, we're not talking about a real monkey, but uh, £500 could be yours this morning. <laughs> it'd be Brilliant, great, the idea that... Imagine the pushback <laughs> there. We gave away a monkey on Talk Sport. Be, you can't be doing that. Okay, it's just well, wrong. 2005, you could, of course. Oh, of course yeah, you yeah. You could probably got away with it then. You're different times. <laughs> this is Alan Brazil talking to a showbiz correspondent the morning after the Oscars. 
and then I hobbled off to the Elton John party for a, just for a half hour or so. <laughs> and uh, what was uh, Elton's theme this uh, this year for the uh, the after Oscars party? Oh well, I, I was only on the outside of the party, so I don't really know what went on inside. Yeah, so you weren't right. actually there then, were you? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, yeah, Our showbiz reporter outside all the best, although it's quite difficult. Isn't it? It's quite difficult to get an Elton yeah. John's uh, party, isn't it? So anyway, over over to a caller now talking Jose. Going back to the Mourinho thing, I think that uh, this guy has been likened to, to, to the great knight uh, uh, Cluffy. The great Nye Cluffy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was going to say Nigel, wasn't he? But knew he that was. wasn't right. It's Mike Perry again now commenting on the big Michael Jackson trial that was going on at the time. We'll give you the killer facts and details about what's going on. Killer, of course, name of one of his uh, LPs. Yeah, lovely segue, Mike, <laughs> considering the circumstances. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <Dear> me. Lovely. <laughs> Dear um, here's Charlie Wolf, old mate Charlie Wolf, uh, taking a call. Jeff, hey, good morning. Oh, hello. Yeah, go ahead, sir. You're on Talk Sport. I'm not too sure what you want me to talk about. Well, uh, it's 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 your nickel, as we say in the okay, States. Okay, well, I'm 61 years of age. I have a similar background to uh, Michael Howard, say that uh, he's a lot cleverer than I am. And yeah. I'm a lawyer. Hey, hey, Jeff, Jeff, um, Jeff uh, Jeffrey. I'm sorry. Can, can you do something with the phone? I can barely understand you. Is I'm, I'm terribly sorry. Shall I, shall I speak in my Yorkshire accent? <laughs> it's not much of a Yorkshire accent. It's not actually Jeff goffy, Boycott, is, he? is he? No goffy. <laughs> Blimey. Oh, it's quite posh Yorkshire, I think. Um, what's next, Andy? It's sticking with the calls, and this is Beaky making a series of very strange noises. We've got no idea how to get through, sides, mm-hmm. And the very fact we can't defend as well doesn't help. Mm-hmm. And we get, we get rid of the kid who's playing there now. Mm-hmm. We've got half a decent back four, but at mm-hmm. the moment we've just got no idea how to get through sides. 40,000 people down there again. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he'd fallen asleep. He'd nodded off as his way of snoring. Mike Parry now on location, doing what he does best. I don't need to sell it today, Andy. As each hour goes by, this city becomes more vibrant. It's a vibrant city anyway. It's been regurgitated. I don't think that's the word. Is it? Can a city be regurgitated? I don't think it can. He hasn't changed, no. though, has he, really? This that could no, have been no. yesterday. Exactly. And this is Mike with Andy Townsend. Andy talking about the new Wembley. The, the new Wembley Stadium, and you've been blowing yep. its trumpet yep, uh, from a distance uh, over the last mm. few weeks. And, and I'm looking forward to, to hopefully going down there in the not-too-near future to yeah. have a look. The not-too-near future? <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> could be a couple of years off there. Fantastic. So there it we are. That's how it all off. unfolded uh, one Friday back in March 2005. Oh, did we lose those last three? Oh, sorry. Is there more to come? Uh, yeah. No, I do yes, apologise. Sorry. sorry yeah. I, it always helps if you kind of um, scroll down the bottom of the page, isn't it? Really? Sorry Here's Mike that. Dickin now. Oh, yeah. Here's my Because this, I think, is one of my favourite clips, if it's the one I think it is. Here's Mike Dickin telling Ray Houghton what he had coming up on his show. 5,000 people who should be walking about today are mm. dying because our hospitals are filthy. Mm. Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, thanks for all your calls, your emails and your texts this evening. And we'll be back next week. Uh, next, Keep it next. Uh, next is talk sport is Mike Dickin. <laughs> next. It was. It was that <laughs> clip. Next. <laughs> it's, oh, we've, we thought we'd lost that forever. Next. It's fantastic. Next. Yeah, just, Brilliant. You know what he meant if coming up next. And finally, uh, it's the uh, travel with the one and only Jamie Sercombe. Starting in Berkshire, the M4 at Junction 4B, the Thorny Interchange for the M25. There's been a multi-vehicle accident. The inside lane is blocked. Not the only it's thing that's blocked, is it? <laughs> Poor old Jamie. I don't know if he's still doing the travel, but he, he, he had that cold for about 10 years, didn't he, really? He did, yeah. Yes. yes. And, and it did, did give us give... an idea. Oh, yeah. Go on, sorry. <laughs> We're pretty it's gold, isn't it? And that did give us an idea. Well, we are basically looking at each other down house park. You give us a break. And that did give us an idea. Or at least it gave uh, Ian Danter one. Talk sport, traffic and travel. Brought to you by Wild Bean Cafe at BP Connect. Gourmet on the go. Uh, starting at Berkshire, uh, M4, Junction 4B. You know, the uh, you know Thorny Interchange with the... Uh, you know, M25, there's been a uh, multi-vehicle accident and, uh, you know, the uh, inside lane, much like my sinuses, is uh, currently blocked. <laughs> so there we are. Trevor Francis doing the uh, doing the travel there. So is that the end or have, have I not scrolled down? No, that, I think that's it. That, 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 that is, is the end, yeah. That is very much <laughs> it. Okay, fair enough.
So uh, there we are. We'll, we'll keep raiding the old mini discs uh, over the uh, coming days until, until until they run out and all the quality completely falls <laughs> off a cliff. So <laughs> now there was a little well, story. It was very yeah. Go on. There were, there were there were some good ones. Next, the old there Ray, were. Uh, Next, yeah, no, that was very good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So um, the late great Tom Finney, a pair of his boots sold in Bristol at auction. Uh, Andy mm. earlier on. I saw point. that. Yeah. £5,400 they went for. I did a little bit of digging to find out a bit more uh, about them. Uh, it was a game against... He won for a game against Portugal um, 70 years ago. And they had his initials, basically. Do you know, like these days, the players have like their initials or other messages or whatever the kids' names kind yeah, of embroidered, sewn on. Mm. Basically, mm. Tom's initials were in hobnails. On the bottom of the boots. Yeah, that must be imagine, quite painful. Imagine going near a, a current <laughs> pair of boots with anything like a nail uh, these days. I mean, no. It, it's amazing. He's still got the original laces, these boots, apparently. Uh, they, oh, they, sound, only, they sound good. It was his only England hat trick. That's why it was a significant uh, one for him. But, uh, yeah, w- w- rare match-worn boots. Five and a half grand, as we said, they went for. And it would be great to have a, to, a day in football. When the boys went out in the long, heavy cotton shorts, the big old collared shirts, the sort of Blackpool here, Stan Matthew style. <laughs> the heavy boots. Co- not, not at the moment. They'd need a drinks break then. And the big <laughs> thick socks and the boot and the old chin pads. We'd just have a little throwback yeah. day for charity. Well, and they do do that in the NFL, but they don't wear, obviously, hobnail boots. They do wear modern <laughs> shoes. It'd be quite, be quite tricky. That's still the best, well, the, one of the best football photographs of all time, the famous one of him with that spray, and also his statue, which was based on that photo. It's, yeah. it's a tremendous image. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. We don't get many 10 ones uh, at top-level uh, football, but <laughs> no, we don't. did see one... <laughs> The other day, uh, Sochi played Rostov, uh, which on the face of it, uh, you'd expect Rostov to win because I think they're further up the table and they're the better side. But uh, Sochi won 10-1 in the stadium, Andy, where we went during the World Cup and saw Tony yeah. Kroos get the winner for the Germany against stadium. Sweden. Yeah. That was yesterday. That was two years ago yesterday, that uh, that game, actually. Really? Uh, they're a fairly, fairly new club, uh, Sochi. Um, but here to tell us the story behind it, is uh, Moscow-based uh, journalist and broadcaster, uh, Alan Moore. Good afternoon again, Alan. Good afternoon, guys. Um, I'm sitting here in Moscow and missing you desperately. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I see. We'll come on to life in Moscow a little bit later on, but this game was was a, a strange one, wasn't it? I mean, it was probably worth telling us the story. There was a reason why they shipped 10 goals. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a terrible situation from the very start because we, we all were waiting for the moment when one team uh, would have an, an incident of COVID. And it happened with Rostov. Now, Rostov are chasing or were chasing hard for a Champions League spot and were in a European spot on the table going to the Europa League. Rostov are a very good side. Uh, they've rebuilt themselves. They've got Valery Karpin down there. So they've done well. They had so many financial issues this year with wages on paper for four months, but they really got things moving. So, um, cut, cut forward to the next uh, scene, and there's an outbreak of COVID at uh, Rostov. They speak with Sochi and say, can we postpone the game to the next available window, which would be the 19th of July, which is a cup date. Uh, it's a cup semi-final day, but neither side is involved. Sochi said, on your bike, lads, we're playing no matter what. You either concede or uh, play. And of course, with the entire Rostov team and staff in quarantine, they had to send their basically their under 11s. Well, not their under 11s, but kind of. So they sent up these young lads up there to to play the game, and they got trashed. Now, I mean, you mentioned about Sochi being a new team. Sochi is known as Zenit Number Two because they have uh, received a lad that we've spoken with before, Alexander Kokorin, the guy who kind of went on a Rampage on the train back from Zenit and in Moscow and fighting. He's put in prison and everything. So the, this is kind of the farm club for Zenit. Uh, the one little uh, nuance in all of this is that when they were restarting the league, the Russian Premier League, in agreement with the Russian Football Union, said, listen, uh, we will allow matches to be changed, which postponed, so long as both clubs agree. So lads, have it at you, have it at you, you know, decide yourselves. 
And um, it's been since then, uh, for example, a couple of days later, Krasnodar and Dinamo, there was an outbreak in Dinamo of uh, Dinamo Moscow of uh, COVID. And um, Krasnodar, without, uh, you know, didn't skip a heartbeat, they turned around and said, listen, we'll put it back till July 19th. And since that game, Rostov's next game has been also put back to the 19th. Their opponents have agreed right away. So it was um, a, lot, a lot of people saying shame on Russian football, but it was, it was bad for sport. Tell you what was interesting in that game, Alan, is that uh, Rostov scored first, which was incredible, wasn't it? And the, the goalkeeper set a record as well. So uh, it wasn't all... He also good. got man of the match, the lad who let in. Teenage keeper let in 10 goals, but saved the pen and got man of the match, I think. Yeah, I think there was an awful lot of, let's just say, um, covering of your ends uh, after it all because it looked so bad on television. And I mean, it, it was, you know, when we always talk about men against boys. Um, and I know that Alan Hansen said you, you don't win anything with kids and he was proved wrong. This time, no, you cannot win with kids. <laughs> not when they're not even shaving, you know. Uh, it was a terrible situation. And he, he saved, uh, you're dead right to point out, he, he saved 15 shots. Wow. And a couple of the goals he let in were absolute doozies. He also saved a penalty. But now, in fairness, I think the, the guy who was taking the penalty tapped it at him. It was, it was something I could see in um, Escape to Victory or something like that, you know, where it was like lined up for uh, Sylvester Stallone to save. But mm. it was, um, I don't know, it was, it was a terrible, terrible situation and it looked awful for Russian football. Not good. They did get a hero's welcome, though, the team, when they got back, which was nice for them. They did, they did. The uh, the folks of Rostov came out uh, in ma- en masse and, uh, you know, lit players and cheered them. I mean, look, it's 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 nice to see it and it's great to blood young players, but not like, you know, 11 in one go. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the, the whole thing, now, I was speaking with Krasnodar, the, 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 um, the, well, actually, Sochi is in Krasnodar region, as you guys know. Hmm. Um, so I was speaking with people from the club and I asked, was it hard to make a decision about you know, postponing the game with uh, uh, Dino? They went, no, we, it wasn't even a consideration. They'd already postponed the game with Dino before uh, Sochi forced the, um, uh, Rostov to play them. So it, wow. was, it, it was like, yeah, it was a very, very awful situation. But again, I mean, the Russian Football Union and the Russian Premier League, they gave, gave up the right to administer. So it's... It, sports administration and it's, it really looks bad for Russian football in that moment. Has Russian football returned with limited crowds, Alan? Yeah, they have uh, 10% of crowds uh, coming into stadiums, uh, which, you know, for, for, for some clubs it doesn't make a difference. They're only going to get that number in anyway, so it's mm. not a huge change. But um, it, <clears throat> in Moscow especially, a lot of people are worried about it because as you know yourselves, in Moscow you come into the metro and have to get out, even with Locomotive there um, the, the day before yesterday on Sunday uh, they had around 3,000 fans in and they basically had a massive fan protest so it was a kind of a it was a, it's a strange atmosphere and some of the bigger stadia they're just barren absolutely barren so even with 10% it, it doesn't even make a difference Have you been to a game yet? Have you been into a stadium yet? Well I was at the uh, the local Orenburg game um, and it was odd and there were a lot of issues because it was a terrible atmosphere there because the uh, legendary coach, Yuri Shomin, uh, who has who has basically, he's the only person who's ever won the league with uh, Loco and he's won lots of cups with them as well. Uh, he was fired. Uh, his contract was up for renewal uh, on the 1st of June, but he was fired mid-May and a Serbian coach brought in, uh, Marko Nikolic. So it was a very odd atmosphere where the fans came out and the, even the press court came out to have a go at the club. Um, and at a certain point, uh, we were all meant to do a, um, uh, a, a clap, like the, a pause and a clap for the Russian de- um, uh, medical uh, services. Mm. And the fans walked out. So the fans oh, left no. the stadium at that moment. Wow. And it was, they were told then you're not allowed back in. But it's only thing if, if you leave, you know, and you, you have to stamp to go out, it's for controlling for coronavirus, um, then you can't come back in at that moment. So the fans left and they weren't allowed back in. So there was, it was scandal everywhere. It was scandal there. And I mean, it was, you know, I have to say, like, it, it wasn't the best match day experience of my life, for sure. No. And finally, Alan, yeah, sure. what, how is day to day life in, in Moscow at the moment? We've had some restrictions sort of tentatively lifted today where they will be in, 
in uh, July. But uh, what's it like there? Well, right now I'm sitting at a place where you guys would have uh, walked by. Uh, it, it's uh, on Belaruskaya, so I'm having uh, a bite to eat. Cafes mm-hmm. have officially reopened today. Um, life is still not normal, but it's returning to it to a certain degree. Um, we had a very strange situation where Moscow was the most heavily locked down city in the world. Um, and in you know the space of an hour, uh, the mayor came on and basically said, OK, tomorrow it's back to normal. No more permits, no more travel passes, nothing. Good. You're, you're out you go. Because of a, an argument between himself, the mayor of Moscow, Soganian, and the prime minister, Mishutin. And uh, it was basically, you know, things were very well controlled here, very well locked down, and then you just let go. So we've we've had a kind of a little bit of a raise in um, the people uh, who contracted coronavirus this week. It's kind of like steadily, it's kind of like very moving very, very slightly, but it is noticeable. Um, but it's, it's getting back to normal because, of course, um, where you guys were down in Sochi, it's very, very different because while Moscow was locked down, and it was a very good job in fairness by Vladimir Putin that they said, look, this is the best practice from around the world. Um, but it was only, only put into place in Moscow. He basically left it to every regional governor and government to decide what they were going to do. So, you know, while we were all locked down in our apartments here, in uh, Humen, they were sitting in cafes. Or in Krasnoyarsk, they were going to a nightclub. So it was a very strange lockdown. But in fairness, they have dealt with very, very well, I believe. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was uh, how this afternoon unfolded and uh, we'll be back tomorrow from one. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.